0: welcome to the chalkboard my fellow football nerds for episode number 127 of chalk talk i'm your host shane half and you can follow me on twitter and youtube at shane half nfl i'm joined today by my by the best co-host in the game you've heard him on the tough cover radio show it is mark henry jr give him a follow on twitter at mark henry jr underscore mark how are you doing today t minus you know
1: two probably two hours and 10 or 15 minutes until my brain enters a state of psychosis for Phillies playoff baseball but you know how could I how could I ever not want to talk about an absolutely gut-wrenching rip your heart out of your chest Eagles loss I mean
0: I'm excited I'm I'm pumped you, you would be proud Mark I didn't do this in support of the Phillies but I was wearing my old baseball coaching uh baseball coaching jacket earlier so uh, a couple years ago when I coached middle school baseball, we were awesome. And then COVID shut down our season. So oh. you know how it is, but Shane's a steamhead.
1: head. We, we all knew it all, all along.
0: <laughs> now I was a basketball coach and they're like, we just need somebody to coach these middle school kids. And I was like, you know, I w I didn't become atrocious as a baseball player until high school. So I could probably manage middle school baseball <laughs> and it worked out. Okay. Yeah. I got a comment here from miss Chris went to my first Eagles game yesterday. And as a result, I've been mildly homicidal all day. Uh, I'm going to my first Eagles game next week, and I'm terrified about how it's going to turn out now. But (laughs) let's dive into it here. Uh, Just a programming note up top for those of you listening later, particularly if you're listening Tuesday on podcasting platforms. uh, Due to the World Series games, we've adjusted our recording schedule. We're recording this Monday afternoon. Uh, so we will not be talking about Monday night football because the game hasn't happened yet. Maybe we'll give a prediction at the end, but let's jump in with the Eagles loss to the New York jets at, uh, you know, any given Sunday, Mark, any given Sunday, you're on the road playing a backup quarterback. You score two touchdowns on your first three drives. And then over the rest of the game, you turn the ball over four times. You don't score again. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles running backs were held to 2.3 yards per carry. Uh, had 28.5% success rate on running back carries. I'm already so sick of people on Twitter complaining about how much the Eagles passed the ball. Like, you were facing a defense missing their top three cornerbacks. They're good against the run. The run wasn't working. Like, stop scapegoating Brian Johnson. Your skill players just didn't show up, except for A.J. Brown. And, And that's the story here. The story is not that Brian Johnson needs to be fired. The story is that for four quarters devonta smith stunk for four quarters the right side of your offensive line couldn't hold up at all and for the final quarter jalen Hurts stunk and there's unlucky turnovers mixed in there but that's how you go lose a road game and that's what the eagles did
1: yeah I, it's it's sickening it was a disgusting loss uh it felt like you were filling, I, I don't know who tweeted this, so sorry, but uh, someone tweeted, it felt it feels like you're filling up the bingo card on how to lose a football game. Uh, it was really what was happening there. The, the turnovers, the missed kicks, uh, everything that you could possibly imagine. But what I will say is any attention that's being paid to the defense today is moronic. That defense played fantastic. The Eagles outgained the Jets by over a hundred yards. The Jets went two for 11 on third down. I think it was over on fourth down. Um, there's no planet on which you should lose that game when your defense plays like that. Um, especially when you have the amount of talent that you have on offense. Now I, I do understand that the Jets have done a great job against Patrick Mahomes. They've done a great job against Josh Allen. They've, they've done a great job against every quarterback they've played against Dak Pres- besides Dak Prescott for for some reason, but it's still inexcusable to not score more than 14 points. And even if you want to say 17, if they would have made the kick, it's inexcusable to not score more points in that game. But everyone is searching for how how did it happen? How did we lose? What happened? What needs to be fixed? Who needs to be fired? To be honest, it's an incredibly simple answer. You turned the ball over four times, and you didn't force any turnovers. A stat from Shil Kapadia, over the last decade, there have been two teams – who have won a game while being minus four in the turnover differential? That says it all, right there. You put it, in, you put yourself in a terrible position, and you know we can we can litigate each one of those turnovers. And I think that it, I think that it is something. I think it's worth talking about each turnover like and and analyzing it with each turnover because people are just throwing a seven interception number out there for Jalen and three in that game. One of those interceptions was solidly in Dallas Goddard's grasp, and he got hit on a screen, on a screen that he should be ready to get hit on. Um, And and it flew directly into Quinn and Williams' hand. You had C.J. Mosley with a perfect punch of a football that Peanut Tillman, who's would have been proud of, like, he, he would have been proud of that punch. And, man, I, I just think all of the overblown Jalen sucks and Devontae Smith cost us the game and all this stuff, yeah, those things hurt. Jake Elliott missing a kick hurt. But realistically, you lost the game because he turned it over four times and you lost the game even more so because Jalen made the worst throw of his career in the worst possible situation of this game. Jalen made the most inexcusable throw, maybe not the worst throw. Maybe there's been less impressive throws. I don't even know what that means, but it was definitely the most puzzling decision I've ever seen him make. He he has been pretty turnover averse in the NFL. He only had six interceptions last year. There's no excuses to make on that interception. I don't know what he's looking at. I don't know why he thinks he has to force a play in that situation. Uh, I I think – But then again, I feel like I'm just, like, convoluting everything and, like, talking back at myself. But Jalen didn't play a bad game.
0: Jalen was incredible through three quarters, and then the wheels came off.
1: Yeah. So people are saying, oh, Jalen played his worst game. Jalen played a terrible game. No, he played great for three quarters. He just stunk in the fourth.
0: Yeah. But he did the Justin Herbert. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you talk – You talk about the turnovers. The Eagles lost 18 EPA, 18 expected points added in turnovers. Without those four turnovers, you expect the Eagles to score 18 more points in that game. The defense forced negative .77 EPA per drive, and they did it without Avante Maddox, without Jalen Carter, Darius Slay, Zach McPherson, Reed Blankenship, Justin Evans, Sidney Brown, Bradley Roby, and Eli Ricks. The defense, that malign defense that was just putting warm bodies out there had five sacks, 10 quarterback hits, five passes deflected. We should be on this podcast talking about how great a job the defense did. And you can't because the Eagles lost and the defense deserved to be paid off, paid off with a win. And they just weren't Mr. Crockpot in the chat here says, I thought the 49ers Browns game was the worst game I'd seen in years until the Eagles game started. Everything went wrong, even our MVP, Jake Elliott, missing. And and that's just kind of the day that it was. And Jalen Hurts had 11 passes in this game from outside the pocket, which is the most in a single game for him since October of 2021. His passer rating outside the pocket this year is 49, with a 30% success rate and two yards per attempt. Like The pocket wasn't comfy anymore, and... the wheels just came off
1: and the shame of it is in the first three quarters I thought he handled it great like he made some incredible plays on his legs to I mean he made two of the best plays I've ever seen him make in this game the one play on the first drive where his arm is being held behind him and he just carries the guy with him until he can make the throw on the sideline I think it was AJ Um, that is maybe the best throw I've ever seen Jalen Hurts make and then he turns around and on his final throw or one of his final throws of the game throws the worst throw I've ever seen him make. So really a Jekyll and Hyde game from Jalen here, not a game. And I said this the whole game, like this was not a game that concerns me long-term. The Mm -hmm. only thing that concerns me about this game is the outcome and what it counts on our record. Like Mm -hmm. that's all that concerns me because you have a brutal schedule coming up. You play the four top Super Bowl favorites besides the Eagles in the next eight weeks. You play six of the top seven besides us. That's, This is probably the hardest stretch that any NFL team has to go on over an eight-week stretch. And you can't lose games to the Jets when you have the Bills and the Chiefs and the 49ers and, you know, I'm forgetting another – the Dolphins. There's so many good teams. You have two games against the Cowboys. You have the Seahawks in Seattle. It it is just an absolute gauntlet. Dive said the biggest thing that concerns him about this game is the lane injury. There's been pretty good news on that today. It seems like it was just a mild sprain. It seems like he might play
0: this week. Yeah, that low ankle sprain. He's going to try to play this week, which Could long term is much more important than one game against the Dolphins. But I trust the Eagles to make that decision. So uh, I want to talk real quick about the third down interception. Uh, people were upset by the decision to throw the ball there. I, I get it. Uh, I you know I had somebody on I had somebody on Twitter tell me that they. Uh, they should fire Brian Johnson and hire me as the offensive coordinator. And I said, you wouldn't like that because I would have thrown the ball too. Like I tweeted before the play, I would throw it. Like you're not picking up third and eight on the on a run there. And so to me, your options are run the ball, punt it away with a minute 10 left and don't let the Jets kick a field goal. That's option one. Option two is throw the ball and try to pick up a first down. And here's what should happen if you throw the ball. You either complete it whether it's for a first down or short of the sticks, or you eat it and take a sack and the clock keeps running and you punt in the same situation, but you're giving yourself a chance to pick up the first down. What cannot happen. I mean, if you throw an incompletion, okay. It costs you 30 seconds, but you tried to win the game. I'm fine with that. What cannot happen. And what you can't like coach in fear of is your MVP candidate, franchise quarterback, MVP candidate last year. He's certainly not in the running this year franchise quarterback with a top five receiver and a top five tight end throwing an interception like that's inexcusable on the quarterback's part I have no problem whatsoever calling a pass there it just it shouldn't play out that way and Jalen predetermined that before the snap he stared Dallas Goddard down the entire time and if the guy who intercepted it didn't there's another guy there that would have there were two guys that would have caught that ball before Goddard did and that just can't happen
1: No, it's just an inexcusable decision. Um, And the fourth down thing, we can have a little talk here. I would have ran it. Like, I I think with how Zach Wilson looked, it felt like the Jets had to do so much to move the ball uh, at different points of this game. Um, And I just don't know if I would have trusted the Jets to get how many yards they would have needed in that situation in a minute and 15 seconds. I would have just ran it and... Also, we know if in, in situations like that, you can gain a first down by running. Like if Jalen, if you call the right quarterback run there. Uh oh, am I frozen here? Oh, Shane, Shane crashed here. <laughs> okay. Uh Shane is joining us in a second. Uh Shane uh, had to, you know, he's he's rebooting his laptop here. Um, but yeah, the Eagles, the Eagles, it, it's an incredibly disappointing loss. It's not a loss that we should be yelling and screaming that the season is over about. I think that is too far of an extreme. There were too many weird things that happened in this game to look at it and say, Oh, this is a game that you can look at and take long-term takeaways from. Are there concerns? Absolutely. I hope lane, you know, lane, like dives mentioned in the comments, lane went down with an ankle injury in this game. We talked about it. It seems like he's going to play. I hope that that doesn't, I hope that that doesn't lead to long term issues like they should absolutely go ahead and play lane if he's healthy and they should sit him if he's not. They should let him make that decision because I think he would play 10 out of 10 times. Um, but yeah, you look at where what else in this game. DeAndre Swift, man, truly a disappointing performance from the ground game here. It felt like every game, every yard or every positive play that was made on the run in this game for the Eagles was made by Jalen Hurts. Um, so I I think that th- there has clearly been an effort over the last two weeks for Jalen Hurts to con- to run far more often, to run at a 2022 clip, because the first five weeks or four weeks, I should say, it really felt like they were bottling Jalen Hurts up. I mean, we talked about multiple plays on this show where he went down yards in advance of them. And we have a comment here, Devin Bryant, Uh, Devin Bryant said sup and then he said Jets fan here just wanted to say happy my boys kept it competitive and I'm a big fan of the channel even before this week as long as you guys are blessed with health you'll be great thanks Devin yeah and the Jets if we want to talk about this from a Jets angle they won this game with a banged up O-line they won this game with no sauce Gardner no other corners in there Uh, the Jets what that defense has done to Jalen Mahomes Allen that defense is legit Uh, I've had questions about Robert Sala as a coach and even in this Situation, yeah. By the way, thanks, Devin. Very, very nice comment about the channel. And even in certain situations of this game, I don't think the Jets. It worked out for them. Brees Hall should not have scored a touchdown in that moment. They should have absolutely sat on that and need the ball. Obviously, they got a stop, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, maybe you don't want to chance anything with your field goal kicker. Uh But I thought that that was a a really, really could have been potentially dreadful decision by Sala, but. All those things that I have to say about Sala, and I've been critical of Sala, he is an incredible defensive coordinator. And that's what he's doing with the Jets. I mean, the head coach stuff is extra. His defensive coordinating that he's doing is he's still one of the best defensive coordinators in football. Um, Shane is back. I was just talking about Robert Sala. Um, because we had Devin's nice comment uh, Jets fan commenting in Um, and I was talking about Salah because I've been pretty critical uh, of Salah, and even in this game I thought he made some bad decisions in terms of clock or timeouts or going for it Um, I thought challenging that AJ Brown catch was dumb there was no way that that was going to get overturned we've seen that too many times it was too close and then I thought them letting Brees Hall score was really dumb like I I couldn't believe they did that but didn't matter in the end uh, because Robert Salah's defense stepped up. So even if I want to kind of criticize Salah, I have to give him credit for what he's doing with the defense over there and what they've done to some great quarterbacks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Devin, thanks for, uh, thanks for the compliment. I remember interacting with you in the comments of another video leading up to the game. So always, you know, this podcast is my baby. It was the first thing. And so I always love seeing NFL wide fans on the channel, even though everything except this podcast that I do is Eagles focused. So Good game to you guys. Uh, sorry for the, my laptop just crashed there. So I was, <laughs> I, it just popped up and said, your device has had a problem and it's going to restart. And so I couldn't get back into StreamYard. I was listening to you on YouTube. So I kind of knew where you were going. So I heard most of what you said at uh, dives points out here. Bryce Huff is underrated. He destroyed Driscoll uh, Huff's top. He's number nine in pass rush win rate going into this week. And I would hazard to guess that will come up. So he's a really good player. That jets defensive front is certainly no joke.
1: Yeah, Huff's a Huff's a really nice player. Usually, it's me with the technological issues, but but this time it's Shane. So, yeah, I I, uh, I had another comment, and I don't know where it went in my brain. So, oh, there. Oh, my comment is you might for the family friendly listeners. I might have dropped an f bomb when I thought I uh, froze up. So maybe, maybe go and check that out.
0: Okay, I'll try to remember to edit that out. Uh- <laughs> um, because I did yeah, not, not I catch froze, that. Actually. I wasn't up on YouTube yet, but anyways, yeah, if that slips through the audio podcast, cause I'll be honest, I'm probably going to forget. I apologize, but, uh, that's on Mark. You can at him at Mark Henry jr. Underscore on Twitter. Sorry to all my kids out there. All the chalk talk children listeners. Yeah. All right. Shall we move on to Thursday night football? Absolutely. All right. We're going to hope for no more crashes here, but Thursday night football Denver at Kansas city Uh, Denver loses eight to 19. Uh, The thing I took away from this game is that the Chiefs offense, it's still not firing on all cylinders. I don't know that it matters because they're going to figure it out. But Travis Kelsey played on an ankle after injuring his ankle on Sunday. Uh, He did leave the field once, but he ended the game with 140 yards. So uh, Travis Kelsey carrying the Chiefs offense through the air. There's really not a lot else going on there. Uh, Russell Wilson looked bad in this game. Sean Payton looked bad in this game. There's nothing new there from the Broncos. Uh, There's nothing new here either, but I thought Andy Reid made some questionable decisions in this game. As great of a coach as he is, he makes some questionable decisions in terms of game management. He took a field goal from fourth and three on the 17 on the opening drive, which maybe I get that because you think the Broncos aren't going to score much anyways, but on the third drive, he lined up for a fourth and two from the six, and he ran a fake. How do you justify not putting the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands if you're going to go for it? And I mean, the fake was stopped, and I-, I didn't like that. I thought Andy Reid tried to get too cute, but the Chiefs end up winning, and it doesn't matter. But those are the things that I do worry about with Reid. Like, he's a great coach. He's a top three coach in the NFL, and everybody has your Achilles heel, and as Eagles fans well know. Game management in certain situations is that for Andy Reid?
1: Yeah, this is not connected to that. I don't think this was the same play as that. Can we, as a whole, as a society, college football, NFL, high school football, whatever you want to say, can we just agree to stop doing this bullshit? Oh, he's cursed again. Can we agree to stop doing this tight end sneak thing? It's never worked. I don't think the tight end sneak has ever worked. Like, it feels like we, oh, they're running up to line. Are they going to, they're going to hike it? And then they get stopped. It feels like every time that's what happened. Just run a QB sneak. It's not rocket science.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the fan of the tight end sneak. Somebody ran that on the Eagles a couple weeks ago. Also didn't work. Uh, Just not a good thing, which I get it. Patrick Mahomes got injured on a QB sneak. I get that's why they don't do them, but uh, just find a different play.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. Put the ball on Patrick Mahomes hands then. If that's, if that's what you, if that's what you're going to do, but yeah, the, the chiefs, they're going to be fine. They're five and one. They might only score 19 points in this game. I've, so I've seen a lot of concerns about the receivers. I think one or two of these guys will develop throughout the year. And I think Travis Kelsey's Travis Kelsey Pacheco has been really impressive. Their defense is the best of the Patrick Mahomes era. Um, The Chiefs will be in the Super Bowl most likely.
0: Yeah. All right, let's go across the pond to London, where the Baltimore. Do I? I've got a lot to say. Ah, where the Baltimore Ravens beat the Tennessee Titans twenty-four to sixteen. I had money on the Ravens minus five and a half in this game, and uh, I went. I went to Sunday school. I never catch the London games, but I checked the score between like Sunday school and church, and the Ravens were at fifteen at halftime thanks to four Justin Tucker first half field goals. And I thought that bet is on lock. Well, it turns out it wasn't. It came down to the wire. I did win it, but the Titans closed the gap to five. Lamar was frustrated. Uh, The Ravens were able to hang on. Ryan Tannehill left this game with an ankle injury and Malik Willis came in in relief. Uh, Tennessee was one of nine on third downs, just couldn't move the chains. For me, though, the big thing here is Baltimore still has a lot of work to do offensively. I think Lamar is playing really good. There's still a lot of kinks to iron out in this offense, which is understandable. New receivers, your top two receivers are new. You got a new offensive coordinator. They've got some time to figure this out, but they need to put the ball in the end zone. There were nine field goals made in this game versus only two touchdowns scored. Uh, So big Justin Tucker game. We're going to see Justin Tucker jerseys in London next time the Ravens go there, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, and Justin Tucker is great and all. I get it. But can we stop doing what John Harbaugh is doing? It's 2023. The decision-making he displayed in this game completely changed my opinion on him as a head coach. I don't think I'll ever recover on my opinion on him as a head coach. In this game, John Harbaugh elected to kick field goals on fourth and one, fourth and goal from the two, fourth and goal from the four after losing three yards on third down, fourth and four from the 10, and fourth and one again. What are we doing? it's 2023. You have analytics like models exist to tell you when to go for it. And I just don't know. Each one of those felt more ridiculous than the last. Like it felt like they just, their goal was to kick field goals in this game and they worked good for them. They covered somehow while doing so, which probably tells you everything you need to know about where Tennessee's at right now. Um, But man, I was so, so disappointed um in John Harbaugh's decision making in this game and I will say also this brings up a point that I wanted to make in the Eagles game when the Eagles went for it on fourth what was it fourth and goal from the 3 on the first drive after 19 plays yep and it was ruled not a touchdown at first because for some reason the refs were too stupid to see the ball um it was pretty clear to me that that was a touchdown right away um but they called it not a touchdown and how many people rushed to twitter To tweet, should have taken the three, should have taken the three, wish we would have taken the three. Why is Sirianni being so ridiculous? If you're within the five and it's a zero zero game, you should go for it every single time.
0: Right? In the first quarter for sure. I mean, if you're like in the fourth quarter, I'd say take the points. But yeah,
1: yeah. I, I just think that there's no scenario where taking the three would have been the correct decision there. And I'm so happy that all those morons had to eat their words and tweet like, oh, touchdown Jalen, yay, uh, when they overturned it. Like, I, I'm i just so sick of people playing results on Eagles Twitter. That That's kind of where I'm at. Like – I don't know how to really even put that into words, but it just feels like, oh, if they took the three, I wish they would have went for two or gone for it on fourth.
0: And if they go for it on fourth and don't get it, they should have taken the three. Like, how about you make your decision about what they should do before the play? It would be a lot nicer if you could just, you know, see the future, see 10 seconds into the future before you make your call. That'd be really nice. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have a a crystal ball. Yeah. Yeah all right let's go Washington at Atlanta Washington wins this game 24 to 16. Welcome to my gambling graveyard Atlanta Falcons uh remember last week when Desmond Ritter had a good game well that was short-lived wasn't it (laughs) through three interceptions all in the second half uh with a run game unable to find room against the talented Washington front the game was on Ritter's shoulders and he fell apart and once again maybe the Falcons should have made an investment at quarterback instead of drafting a running back at eight overall. But down eight in the fourth quarter, the Falcons have second and goal at the two. And they called a pass after spending the number eight overall pick on a running back and having a quarterback that's playing terribly. They called a pass on second and goal at the two. Then they took a delay a game. Then Desmond Ritter took an interception because it never crossed his mind that somebody could blitz and he was jumping off his back foot and throwing the defense forced a three and out and the Falcons gained two yards on four plays and had a turnover on downs. The defense got a three and out again, and then Ritter threw the game ceiling interception, just brutal performance by Desmond Ritter and the Falcons got to get a quarterback, go get Ryan Tannehill, go get Kirk cousins, go get Trevor Simeon, get someone that can play quarterback. I, ghost. Get Matt Ryan out of the booth. Get Carson Wentz. I don't care. Stop putting Desmond Ritter on the football field. It's very clearly Taylor Heineke time. Uh, and I even it, forgot, he, why is Taylor Heineke not playing? I just, in this rant, I forgot Taylor Heineke's even on this roster. That makes it even worse.
1: Yeah. Heineke's competent to a certain degree. Uh, there, There's no way he'd be playing worse than Ritter. Each of those interceptions was more impressively awful than the previous. Like, the one he threw on the slant was bad. Then the one he threw, like, got tipped a little bit was bad. And then he threw one in the end zone that was somehow the worst one of the day. Like, it was, man, I didn't have any money on this game, but I leaned Atlanta. And, man, I, I am I am shocked that the Washington Commanders are going to be 4-3 and three next week when they beat the Giants.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's... I would have never guessed, and they—it's like the—it's like Washington alternates looking totally incompetent, yeah. and then looking like an actual football team. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, I don't get it, and I hope we get the incompetent version in a few weeks. That'd be
0: nice, but I won't count on it. So no, we know we already know what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, speaking of incompetence, let's go to Chicago, where the Minnesota Vikings uh, beat the Chicago Bears nineteen to thirteen. Uh, Minnesota gained only 220 yards of offense against a really bad Bears defense, but they were able to win the game. Uh, Minnesota only picked up two first downs in the entire second half, which is insane to me. Justin Jefferson, like Kirk Cousins is like a below average quarterback that looks above average because of Justin Jefferson. Uh, Justin Fields had a lot of trouble early in this one. I mean, I could have guessed that bad matchup with a blitzing team. He was six to 10 passing with an interception in the first half. Then in the third quarter, he was sacked and dislocated the thumb on his throwing hand. I, I initially wrote in my notes, he dislocated his throwing thumb. And then I thought that sounded really weird. So I changed it. So he dislocated the thumb on his throwing hand. Sounds better. Uh, UDFA Tyson Bagent entered and it was strip sacked for a touchdown. Uh, Which ended up being the difference in the game. Crazy stat time. Uh, The Vikings have not had a non one possession game this season. Every single game's been one possession in their two and four after last year, obviously going 11 and 0 in one possession game. So uh, the Vikings' one possession, their, their obsession with one possession games continues here in this one.
1: Yeah, and do you know – I mean, we could analyze the football reasons for why the Vikings won this game all we want. Do you know why they won this game, Shane? Why is that? Because Kirk Cousins has exposed his teammates to the band Creed. That is, they've been listening to Hire by Creed every day, and Kirk Cousins credited that that for the win. He said they've got an incredible catalog. We wanted to stick to one song this week from Creed to to keep people focused on – the Creed song. I don't really know what he means by that. Um, but to keep people focused, he wanted to stick one song. He said, if they win,
0: though, he's opening up the Creed catalog. So watch out. Well, why change what's working? That's my question.
1: Yeah. Can you take me higher? Uh, maybe not. I guess not. I guess this is all the farthest Creed can take them, at least with that song. But, yeah, I thought that was funny. Also, Justin Fields throwing with his left hand is a better quarterback than Tyson Badgett, whoever that made-up character is.
0: <laughs> he's like an NPC in a video game.
1: hundred percent. He's like... <laughs> like also uh,
0: also known as a guy that would be an mvp contention if you played for kyle shanahan
1: yeah 100 percent. we'll talk about
0: that in a minute yeah. but tyson tyson badgen um
1: it's absolutely like when you're doing a madden franchise and you like it auto generates like 2028 20, drafts like the 2028 20, draft with just random names and it's like oh Tyson Badgen is my new backup quarterback.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I do want to circle back real quickly. One Falcons stat I had written down that I forgot to mention. I want to give a shout out to Calais Campbell, who notched his 100th career sack on Sunday. So I believe it's his 13th NFL season, got the 100th sack. So shout out Calais Campbell for that one.
1: It doesn't, it doesn't feel like a lot, but I know it's a ton. Like, yeah like sacks is always one of those things where like if you talk about career numbers you're always like really that's it but then if you like actually look at a list it's like oh that's impressive
0: yeah yeah i mean for point of, for point of reference for the eagles fans that we typically cater to brandon graham storied career in philadelphia how many sacks do you think brandon graham has he's probably in the 90s 80s 70 70 and a half yeah. uh yeah fletcher cox sense. 65 and a half which i mean fletcher cox is an interior player but mm-hmm. yeah 100 sacks is a big deal so shout out calais campbell there for sure all right let's move on to oh, oh go ahead real quick uh i do wait do we never mind never mind never mind wrong game wrong game wrong game sorry my bad that's a bad audible yeah we're we're having one of those eagles types weeks with execution here like the, the 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 game plan the notes are good but the skill the skill podcasters out here are just messing it up with technical difficulties and going off script it's just not working out very good
1: yeah I'm getting in front of the media and I'm just saying like the execution's got to be better uh, you know it's you know the 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 preparations there the work is there now we just got to see the results and you know yeah today is what we got punched in the mouth
0: the the analytical model was telling me we should have gone to 49ers <laughs> Browns but instead I threw to Seattle <laughs> Cincinnati so that's on me I'll do better <laughs> next time. So, But for real, uh, let's throw to Seattle-Cincinnati. Cincinnati Uh, Cincinnati wins this game 17-13, to despite the fact that Seattle outgained Cincinnati by 167 yards. They had nine more first downs. They outpossessed them by over eight minutes, but they finished one of five in the red zone. They scored a touchdown on the first drive. They had three points on the other four trips combined. It's going to be really hard to win games like that. Uh, Cincinnati gained 69 yards and 73 yards for touchdowns on their first two drives after their first two drives Cincinnati only put up 72 more yards and three more points but the Cincinnati defense uh, stepped up and they got two fourth down stops in the red zone in the final two minutes uh, to put this game away ironically Talking about going for it in the red zone. If the Seahawks had kicked field goals both of those times, they might have won the game. So uh, maybe the anti analytics. Of course, you can't do that because Cincinnati would have played it differently when they had the ball. But it is funny mm-hmm. that we've talked about that. And then here we have a team down four getting stopped in the red zone twice. But uh, Cincinnati escapes with this one. Offense still doesn't look great, but the defense got the job done today.
1: There were nine points scored in this game in the last 43 minutes of game time. <laughs> That is insane with these two offenses, with how many talented guys you have. Um, this is probably wow. That's what I was about to say. I was going to say it was the worst Geno Smith game of his of this era. Like this Geno run, that can't be true though, because he had three hundred and twenty three yards. Like I watched that game, it did not feel like that. Yeah. It did not feel like Geno – and obviously I had it on the side with the Eagles game, and I was also focusing on the Lions game a little bit more than this one. Um, but or No, this was a one o'clocker. But I wasn't fully locked in on this game, but, man, I was not impressed by Geno. That's one of the most shocking stat lines I've ever pulled up after watching a game because I did not think he was good in this game. And he went 27-41, 66% completion percentage, 323 yards, 8 yards per, per throw uh it's, you know 69.5 rating it's not good but yeah I I'm surprised it's not worse I my main takeaway from this game was the Seahawks are really good Gino might be a problem but the rest of the team's really good and then my other takeaway is Bengals have a top five defense
0: yeah Gino's starting to write back now is that what you're saying I
1: guess so I, I have to look at like Geno's year I feel like I haven't been super plugged in on the seahawks this year they're they're Um, so
0: hard to evaluate losing both tackles week one they got charles cross back for this game it's it's been so hard to get a pulse a finger on the pulse of their offense just because of those offensive line injuries so uh, i still want to see i still believe the seahawks can be a good team i don't believe they can win their division anymore no but i think they're going to be in the playoffs and i think they can give teams difficulty in the playoffs. They just got to get healthy and and play together. And I think that'll help a lot down the stretch.
1: I mean, you, you just look at their schedule in week one, they played LA and lost 30 to 13, lost their two tackles. And we thought like, ah, you know, there, there goes the season. They come back and they beat a Detroit team that now we know is a top five team in football or a top seven team in football, however you want to slice it. They beat them 37-31 for their only loss of the season. Then they come back and they barely beat the Panthers. Like, they won the game by 10, but if you watch that game, it was closer than that. Then they come out and they blow out the Giants on the road. The Giants aren't good, but you're winning a, a road game by a blowout at night is still something. And then you come out and lose a close game to Cincy. I guess this game is the one that makes the most sense. Yeah. Like, this is probably what we would have – like, he was a three-point favorite. They won by four. This is the one that makes the most sense, but – I I will say, and maybe this is just a Joe Burrow. um, Joe Burrow's still not right, and we claimed he was fully together. threw for 185 yards in this game with five yards per throw, and uh, Mixon had 12 carries for 38 yards. Like, I think they had 212 total yards in this game. Like, the Seahawks outgamed them massively. Uh, This was a really, really bad performance from Cincinnati's offense, and one that makes me think, hey, maybe Seattle's defense is better than I'm giving it credit for.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about a team with an even better defense than Cincinnati, uh, and that is the Cleveland Browns, who knocked off the other undefeated team in the 49ers, 17-19. to 19. I talk about any given Sunday. We mentioned it with the Eagles, but the 49ers also lose to a backup quarterback in this one. Now, just like the Eagles, there's some extenuating circumstances with injuries. I mean, it's football. The 49ers lost Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel early in this game. Brock Purdy had the worst game of his career going 12 of 27 for 125 yards with one touchdown, one interception. They finally got a drive going and get in field goal range at the end of the game. And then Jake Moody missed a 41 yarder that would have won the game. So uh, San Francisco had a 35.4% offensive success rate, which is their worst success rate since 2017 week two when Brian Hoyer was the quarterback. Their 215 yards of offense is the lowest number in the Kyle Shanahan era. And we talked about the Eagles and their turnovers. The Cleveland Browns lost 14 EPA on turnovers and they won with PJ Walker under center. And the Browns' running game got going a little bit. Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt combined for 131 yards and a touchdown on 29 carries. Miles Garrett destroyed in this game he had four pressures and 15 rush attempts against trent williams including three on the final drive but cleveland's defense stifled the 49ers offense and i mean if cleveland can win games if their defense is good enough for them to win games with pj walker at quarterback they might even be good enough to win games with deshaun watson at quarterback <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't have much. I feel like you hit on a lot of the things I would have talked about there. What I will say is, I'm gonna, this is going to be a personal anecdote uh, about this game. I had a tweet at the end of this game, or I had a tweet in the middle of this game saying, ha, 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 the greatest team of all time, uh, that team is down 10-7 to P.J. Walker. And then I had the tweet when they lost that, you know, ha, 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 the greatest team of all time just lost to P.J. Walker. But. That gave the opportunity for 49ers fans and non-49ers fans to come and dunk on me when the Eagles lost. And I understand, like, I get the internet. like I, I understand why that's putting myself in a bad situation and karma and all that stuff, whatever. But if we're going to sit here and act like the 5-0 and Eagles and the 5-0 49ers were being talked about the same way, then I don't know what we're talking about. Because the 49ers, there were segments on ESPN this week about if the 49ers would go 17-0. There were segments on ESPN this week about if the 49ers are an all-time great team. It was week five, and that was happening. Whereas the Eagles were 5-0, and o and we were asking, what's wrong? Brian Johnson needs to be fired. Why aren't we as good as we were last year? If you're going to act like those things were app- like apples and apples, I just disagree. I, I-, I wholeheartedly disagree.
0: Yeah, uh, no doubt on that. And, yeah, you're 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 spot on. Eagles fans are always going to be critical of their team you can't be critical of their team but they will be. Uh <laughs> yeah, 49ers definitely not the same case. So uh let's throw over to Houston now where the Houston Texans pulled off an upset of the New Orleans Saints 20 to 13. Uh the interception streak is over for CJ Stroud. Uh, he tossed his uh an interception in the first quarter. Uh Stroud was under pressure a lot in this game but he avoided letting the mistakes compound, which is not something that you can say for the saints on the other side of the ball i thought cj stroud remained really poised against a great defense and it's not eye-popping stats but it's a win and it's a rookie and he's in a bad situation with a bad offensive line and bad skill position players and and he's he's proving that he probably i, I still won't say he should have been the first quarterback off the board because i still believe that should have been anthony richardson but he should have been. He should have been the second quarterback off the board. And he was, but the Panthers really missed out on this one. Uh, he didn't let mistakes compound. The same can't be said for the saints who did. They had seven penalties. They missed a 29 yard field goal. They missed a 52 yard field goal. Uh, the new Orleans saints were inside the 30 yard line, five times in this game, and they only got six points on those trips. Uh, They even fumbled the interception that C.J. Stroud threw. Like Ironically, Stroud's interception, he breaks his interception streak. His interception resulted in a positive EPA for the Texans, and that's just a wild statistic uh, that I can't get over. Uh, For the Texans' defensive front, Will Anderson, Jerry Hughes, Jonathan Greener, they all had seven pressures. Uh, The team had 26 pressures, which is tied for the third most by any team this season. And this is not a team that we would have called talented at uh, D'Amico. Ryan's is doing a great job with this stat or with this team. Uh, he's elevating the defensive side of the ball. The offense is clicking and I know D'Amico Ryan's isn't running the offense, but he made good hires there. I'm really impressed with the Houston Texans. I really thought they could have potentially traded away a, a top, top five pick in the draft when they made their move. Uh, and I really don't think that's the case anymore. Uh, I think that, you know, what, what is it right now? The the Texans, if the draft were today, they would have, uh, uh, well, they traded the pick. So that makes it really hard to find on Tankathon. 12th, they would have traded away the 12th overall pick. And I thought this would have been a top three pick. So I'm really impressed by the Texans. Mark, I pointed out fun stat as you stepped away there for a second. So CJ Stroud, RIP, the no interception streak, right? But the funny thing is, he throws the interception, first interception of his career, and then the linebacker fumbles it and the Texans recover, and it results in a positive EPA play for the Texans. So, you know, C.J. Stroud doing what nobody else has figured out, that's how to generate positive EPA while throwing interceptions. you got to tip your hat to that. So this is something
1: I do all the time. Uh-oh, am I not plugged in? No, you're good. I heard you. How about that? This is something that I do all the time. I don't know if I said this on this show last week or on my radio show. We're, did we talk about how C.J. Stroud needed to throw an interception and stop being so conservative? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. What an outcome for that take. Like, it's perfect. <laughs> it, would, it couldn't have been a better take. Like, he, he stopped being so conservative, and he threw his pick. He got the ball back and went down and scored. <laughs> like, it, it's truly – I mean, that was like – I couldn't stop thinking about that um, in that game. C.J. Stroud is a top-blank
0: quarterback right now. That's my question for you. Uh, okay. So I got to th- I can't just throw out an answer. I got to th- So I just, if you on top of your head, what's the number that pops in your six. head? six? Wow. That's high. I mean, you look at what, look at the offensive line. He's playing by yeah. Nico. He's making Nico Collins look like a superstar. I mean, and this is just the first thing that pops into my head. So Eagles fans don't come after me. Put C.J. Stroud in the Eagles offense behind the Eagles offense, not the Eagles offensive line right now with Lane Johnson and uh, Cam Jurgens hurt, but and with his weapons, put him in the Miami offense, put him in the San Francisco offense. Like, how good would he be? I mean, I think he's up there. So, I yeah, I could not be more impressed with C.J. Stroud through the first six weeks in what's a really bad situation offensively. I was going to throw 10, but man, six, you saw my thunder there. I was going to be
1: like, he's a top 10 quarterback. And I thought you're going to be like, you're crazy. And he said top six. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> top my other, my other My other note on this game and the reason that I was away for about 40 seconds is because I just had Texas barbecue delivered to me and I
0: couldn't miss that opportunity. Yes. Uh, not as good as Oklahoma barbecue, by the way. But I, well, I'll have to find out. Sometime. Yeah, just, just drive on up i35 and come visit on your way back and we'll hook you up so love it all right let's go to jacksonville where gardner Minshew had an opportunity for a revenge game against his former team eh, sometimes revenge games don't go according to plan uh, he threw three interceptions he had a fourth negated by an offsides he, he fumbled uh Indianapolis was held to 44 rushing yards by a suddenly resurgent Jags defense. Is the Jags defense figuring it out? Maybe Uh, the Jags offense had to settle for three field goals, though. Uh, They still struggle to finish drives. But I do think the offense is slowly getting better for the Jags and courtesy of Gardner Minshew, uh, his former team now leads the NFL in takeaways with 15 through six weeks. So uh, ball hawking defense there in Jacksonville. The Jacksonville Jaguars are everything we thought they were going to be. Like
1: it took a little bit, and I feel like the narrative is that it's been disappointing. They're four and two. They got the whole season in front of them. Like it's an easy schedule. I mean, you just take a look at the upcoming games: Saints at home, Steelers on the road, uh, Niners on the ro- Niners at home is tough. Then you got the division, basically. Like you got Tennessee at home, you have Houston on the road, which is not an easy game, but. You got some some Tampa, some Carolina in there. Uh, another another Tennessee game. Like they have a lot of winnable games uh, on this schedule. I have no doubt that they're going to be one of the last eight teams remaining. Like I think that they're absolutely one of the four or five best teams in the AFC. Um, and I just want to like laugh at everyone who tried to write off Trevor Lawrence in Week Three after like one bad game and two mediocre games. Uh, I, Trevor Lawrence is an incredible quarterback. And everyone, it feels like I don't know if this has happened on your timeline. Yeah, you're, you're not quite. I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking for you. I wouldn't say you're quite as much of a Trevor defender as I am with Trevor Lawrence. I think you're a little bit more critical of him at times, but you're still pretty high on him.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think if, I think Lawrence is incredible. I question his decision making at times, but I, I think he's a really good quarterback. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm just and, telling. But, you see the whole thing. It's like a people have started talking about if you put at uh, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence and Caleb Williams in the same draft class, who goes number one overall, Trevor, Ooh. Trevor, Trevor, Trevor. So that's where I'm at on Trevor. Yeah. Lawrence. Uh, I still lean Trevor. You're not
1: going to like this, but Caleb would be above Burrow. Um, I can see that in terms of as, as
0: prospects. He, uh, I think Caleb's a better prospect than Burrow was. He can create more than Burrow can. Like that's, that's always been the knock for me on Burrow. Burrow doesn't have great arms. He's got it. Right. He's got it. Yeah. Uh, in spades. Yeah. In spades. But he doesn't have the strongest arm and he's not really elusive. And like as a quarterback, no. I kind of want you to have one of those things. I'm not saying I wouldn't take Burrow over like 28 other quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, but, you know, looking at him as prospects, I would go Caleb over Joe. Well, I didn't have Joe. <laughs> Joe Burrow wasn't my QB one that year. So
1: Stephen Numersky left three comments. I agree with two of them and I hate one of them. Steven. I'm going to shout you out for the two comments. Eagles held the higher standard period. We totally agree. Driscoll couldn't block Josh Huffinpuff. I like that. Um, it's it's uh, I like that a lot, actually. That's very <laughs> funny. Um, people treat Trevor Lawrence and Aaron Nola very similarly. Aaron Nola. All right, Shane, let me cook for a second. Aaron Nola just had two fantastic playoff starts. He just had a, he just shut down the greatest offense of all time. And we're in YouTube comments trashing Aaron Nola on the eve of the NLCS. <laughs> Come on, Steven. Let's Let's get it together. Aaron Nola, he's, he's doing well for us. Let's forget about the regular season until he makes us remember it. But Trevor Lawrence, I feel the same way about Trevor Lawrence that I do about Aaron Nola. The guy I've noticed, I don't know if I was, this was how I meant to ask you this. Have you noticed a bit of a ground spell on Twitter? Like, is this guy that good? Is yeah. this Trevor Lawrence guy? T-Flaw? I've seen Trobro Dude, my guy, is calling him T-Flaw because he doesn't like him. Um,
0: I I've noticed a lot of negativity towards Trevor this year. Yeah, I agree with that. By the way, flashing back to that comment, when you first read that comment, uh, the one thing popped into my head. You want to know my initial reaction in my head? What? What? <laughs> what? Like, Who's that? No.
1: All right. I had a real, I think it was, I think it was, I had a real one last week on the pod, like a what? And you had like a funny one a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So. Happening live. We're getting live drops now.
0: All right. Let's move on to Miami. Uh, where the Dolphins beat the Panthers 41 or 42 to 21. This is just crazy. Mark Miami opened the game with two, three and outs and Carolina has a 14 0 lead. And it does not matter. Miami scored touchdowns on five of their next six drives. Uh, Tyree kill had 163 yards and a touchdown Tua only had 99 non Tyree kill passing yards. After the two touchdowns and three drives for the Panthers, their final eight possessions ended in three punts, four turnover on downs, which is insane, and a missed field goal. Uh, Frank Reich, I don't know if you saw this, Frank Reich has handed over play calling duties following this game, so he's no longer going to be calling plays in Carolina. Uh, a couple notes here, though. One, just the crazy pace that Tyree kills. Calvin Johnson holds the record for 1,964 yards in a season in 2012. With 814 yards through six games, Tyreek Hill is on pace for 2,306 yards. And like, if it was a 16-game season, he would still beat the record by over 200 yards. He's the first player in NFL history to have 150-plus yards in four of a team's first six games. And then my other one here, my little gambling nugget here, my new favorite bet, even more than Jalen Hurts' touchdown scorer. Is that's blasphemous. Adam Thielen over receptions (laughs) in the last five weeks. Adam Thielen has seven or 11 receptions in every game. I took Adam Thielen over five and a half receptions this week, and it cashed in the first quarter. Uh, Adam Thielen leads the target, leads the NFL in targets, receptions, yards, and touchdowns from the slot this season. He's the only, and I don't think Adam Thielen's particularly good, but he's the only person out there. That Bryce Young is throwing the football to. As long as Bryce Young is playing quarterback, Adam Thielen over receptions every single week, money in the bank, which means it's going to lose this week, but do with it as you will.
1: The fact that the Dolphins were down 14 0 in the second quarter of this game and then covered a 14 and a half point spread with ease is hilarious. Like they won this game by 21. I didn't watch this game, I wasn't very plugged in. I didn't have any bets on this game, but I, I had. I had it on in the background for the first half and before it got X'd off the TVs. But in terms of the first half, I thought Bryce I thought Bryce played well. Yeah, I didn't watch the whole game, I, and obviously they didn't score. <laughs> uh, well, I guess they scored in the fourth, but they didn't do much in the second half. I'm going to take a look at Bryce's stat line here. It's not that impressive. But just in terms of watching the game, I did feel like Bryce Young played his best game so far this year. Uh, I don't know if that's statistically true. Um, but yeah, I, you know, Miami, guess what? Tyreek Hill is going to continue that next week.
0: Yeah. Let's not talk about that. Instead, <laughs> let's talk yeah, about another revenge game that went wrong. You know, potential revenge game in this Sunday afternoon in Las Vegas is Bill Belichick could get, you know, Josh McDaniels, the, the son leaves and it doesn't go well. And the prodigal son returns and you take him back in out of the goodness of your heart. And then he leaves again. Like, Bill Belichick goes to Las Vegas with revenge on his mind. Probably not. I think they're fine. but uh, And they lose 21-17. to 17. Uh, And what's worse, Jimmy G left this game with an injury. And Brian Hoyer came in. And Brian Hoyer beat the New England Patriots. The New England offense stinks, man. Down nine in the fourth quarter. They took 17 plays in nine and a half minutes to go 75 yards for a touchdown. To cut it to a two-point lead. Like, You can't do that. That's like we're trying to salt a game away, not get back into it. They ultimately did get another chance, and then they took a safety. So just bad stuff from New England's offense. If you do want a true revenge game in this one, maybe this is the Jacoby Myers revenge game. Uh, He scored more touchdowns on Sunday against his former team, one, than he did in his 38 games with New England. Uh, Although, I guess, to be fair, you could also say he scored more touchdowns for the Raiders when he played in new England, then he scored in new England. So if you, if you ascribe to our sleeper cell theory on Jacoby Myers, maybe this wasn't a revenge game. He was a double agent all along. The revenge game was when he was on the Patriots and when he went, when he (laughs) caused the game, but yeah,
1: no, I mean, Bill Bill Simmons uh, is – I don't know if you listen to Bill Simmons at all. He's a big-time basketball, football writer. Uh, his, his guest – he does not need any advertisements from me, and I'm not even like a huge fan of his anymore. But his Guest the Lines podcast he does every Sunday night is my favorite podcast every week uh, where him and Cousin Sal guest the lines of every football game. He's been on this since the offseason, since they let Jacoby Myers go. He thinks that that was the final, na- the final nail in Bill Belichick, the GM, in his coffin. Because the fact that Bill Belichick has absolutely failed to develop skill position players over the last X amount of years. The one he developed was Jacoby Myers, who's a pretty good player. And I've always actually been pretty high on Jacoby Myers. But he's a pretty good player. And you decided to give more money than he got to Juju Smith-Schuster, who's a dead man walking. (laughs) Like that's just a, that's an egregious decision as a GM by Belichick. And to be honest, they're the most unwatchable team in football.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's saying something. Cause there's some pretty unwatchable teams out here. I'm just trying to think like Denver's a lot more watchable than them. Ooh. Um, I don't know about that.
1: They gave up 70 in a game. That's at least more watchable. <laughs> <laughs> that's at least more fun. Like than anything, the Patriots have been involved in this year. And they had a couple games in like the twenties and thirties, like, it's between the giants and the patriots i guess the panthers well the panthers are pretty speaking of football. the giants that
0: game was pretty watchable but we're not there yet no that game was
1: watchable so it's not the giants it's it's the patriots are worse than the giants so it's the patriots or the panthers i think as the two worst teams in football and i think the patriots might be less watchable than the panthers cuz at least with the panthers you have Bryce Young and you're like almost
0: scouting him. Like I mean, watching
1: to evaluate
0: him. the Panthers are very watchable now because you're watching for Adam Thielen to get six yeah, catches exactly. and cash the best bet in football. So
1: exactly. Well, second, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I, I think new England's the least interesting team in football. I, I have no interest in gambling on games they're involved in, and I have no interest in watching those games.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep it rolling here. We've devoted too much time to a team that's utterly unwatchable. So Let's go to Tampa Bay, where the Detroit Lions are suddenly tied for first place in the NFC after their victory over the Buccaneers and the subsequent losses of the Eagles and the 40. Well, the 49ers lost before this game, but uh, they won 20 to six with Jameer Gibbs missing his second game. Uh, David David Montgomery injured his ribs in the second quarter and he did not return. Uh, Detroit only had 40 rushing yards in the game. But Jared Goff had a strong game, and the Lions did enough to win. Uh, Tampa Bay crossed midfield three times, but they only scored six points. And I thought it was a rough game for Baker Mayfield, who had several misfires in this one. Uh, Detroit, they've been really good this season. They've been good defensively. They're holding opponents under under 20 points, and you're seeing good things from Detroit's defense. And I still have... Some concerns long term about Jared Goff. Like, I I still feel they're a tier below like the 49ers and the Eagles in terms of contender because I don't trust Jared Goff. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is really your only wide receiver weapon. It, like, I've got concerns there, but there's no denying the way that they've played. And if they continue at that pace, I'm going to feel better about them uh, as we get at uh, further into the season. So the Lions extended their streak of 20-plus point games here to 15. Uh, second place is the Chargers with seven. So uh, good work by the Lions. They're playing their way into relevancy, and they're one of those teams that have a reputation they have earned of, I'm not going to believe in you until you show me. They're showing us through six weeks.
1: Absolutely. I think they're a top – I mean, if we're doing power rankings, I'd put the 49ers, Eagles, and Chiefs above them. Who else is definitively better than the Lions right now?
0: Bills, maybe. I don't – with their injuries? I don't Uh, know. That's true. We've talked about their injuries. Dolphins? Dolphins.
1: Yeah, I'd put the Dolphins above them. I think the Lions are fifth. Yeah. If I was doing power rankings, which I thought – I think I might start doing soon just to – I think it would be good for gambling. Um, But you mentioned the only weapon that the Lions have in this game – or on this team is a Ron St. Brown. Do you know what the most encouraging development if you're a lions fan or holding a lions future was from this game? What's that? Jamison Williams takes the top off the defense Uh, for a long touchdown. I keep, what if I
0: keep forgetting about
1: Jamison Williams?
0: (laughs) So does he, or so do the lions. So does Jared Goff. Yeah.
1: But if he's a real option and it's been, I mean, we talked about it at nauseum with his suspension. Like, it's been a nightmare of a start of a career for Jameson Williams, um, but man, if he can turn into 80% of the player we thought he could turn into, uh, and 80% of the player he, the Lions thought he could turn into when they drafted him, then man, that that offense goes up a notch. Uh, it really does. And this game was also, they haven't, Jameer Gibbs has been hurt for multiple weeks now. I still think he is a dynamic player who they haven't figured out how to use yet, but They could figure out how to use them. LaPorta, not a big game to this game, but in general has been very good. I think the Lions are for real. I I, I think the Lions are for real, but I do agree with you that they're a step back from the Niners and the Eagles. And you could make an argument that the NFC is so much tougher since it has those two top flight teams at the top uh, than it would be if they were in the AFC. Uh, Because I look at teams like the Jags and Ravens. They're not as good as the Lions right now. But if you put a gun to my head and said, hey, who's more likely to make the Super Bowl? I'd probably say the Jags or the Ravens and the Lions. But that might just be me thinking about the same old Lions as Dan Campbell and Pat McAfee would say. I don't know. Uh, But I want to give them their flowers. If I was doing power rankings, I'd put them top five. But like you, I have some questions about if this will matter come January.
0: Yeah. All right, let's keep rolling here. Go to Los Angeles, where the Rams beat the Arizona Cardinals 26-9. to The Rams only had three runs in the first half of this game, Mark. They only had four first downs, nine minutes' time of possession. In the second half, they opened with eight straight running plays on a drive that gave the Rams their first lead, and they never looked back uh, from there. Arizona had a good first half. They just can't put the ball in the end zone. They kicked three field goals, had a 9-6 halftime lead, and then they wilted in the second half. So same old, same old from the Cardinals, who are still exceeding expectations this year. Uh, Big news for the Rams, though, is Cooper Cup looking good again. He's got his second straight 100-yard performance after coming off of IR. So uh, the needle still points up in L.A. I don't know how far the Rams can go. I still think there's just serious talent deficiencies, but they're a much better team than I thought they would be. Uh, and they're a fun team. They're a fun team to watch on Sundays.
1: Yeah. I can't really wrap my head around why the Rams are good. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I can't figure it out on a week to week basis. I bet against them every week, it seems. And you know, that's been a mixed bag. Um, they were impressive in this game, I guess, but I, I think most of it was probably me just giving too much credit to, them. I bet the Cardinals plus seven here was one of my favorite bets of the week. And I think, I don't think a lot of that had to do with the Rams. I think I was just coming in too high on the Cardinals. They had been pretty bad over the last couple of weeks. I think I was still looking at the first one, two, three weeks um, of you know the, the year where they were being really competitive, beat Dallas, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, it seems like Arizona sort of crashed – not that they were 3-0 and or something, but they're
0: sort of crashing back down to earth on what we thought they'd be, which was an abomination. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of abominations, you see that that's a good segue. Let's go to Sunday night football, where we watched the Buffalo Bills at home after a loss in London last week. It looked like they might lose again. They went scoreless in the first half, including a missed field goal, two turnovers. Josh Allen was eight of 18 passing with a 36.1 passer rating. They end up taking the lead. And so with 14 seconds left, up 14 to nine, the ball is on the one yard line. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get to the end of the game first. End of the half, 14 seconds left in the half, the ball on the one yard line. The Giants called a run play with no timeouts and Saquon was stuffed at the line to end the half. Later in the game, ball on the one yard line, Tyrod throws an incomplete pass to end the game. This was after a penalty on what would have been the final play of the game that gave the Giants a second chance. So, really, three opportunities from the one. Year, well, okay, two opportunities from the one. One at the end of each half. There's a free play in there from the seven. Uh, the Giants could not get it done, but the Bills were this close to losing to the Giants. Uh, on the Giants' side, uh, Bobby Okereke and Micah McFadden teamed up for some big plays. Uh, Okereke had a fumble that he forced, that was recovered by McFadden. He later tipped a pass that McFadden intercepted, so uh, McFadden needs to buy him a steak dinner or watch or whatever it is you do these days because making him look good out there. Uh, This is an insane stat. The Giants are the only team in the Super Bowl era to have more rushing yards, more passing yards, fewer interceptions, fewer fumbles, and fewer missed field goals, and still lose a football game. Previously, teams that met that criteria were 134 and 0. So, congratulations wow. to the Giants finding new ways to lose each and every week.
1: But I will say they got screwed at the end of the game. That was pass interference by every letter of the law. Um, but I don't feel bad for them because they're the Giants, but yeah, every letter of the law, that's pass interference. We have a comment here from Patrick Bernard. Uh, what happened to the Eagles? Was this Jets defense? Uh, the Eagles' offense took too lightly. We covered this at painstaking detail at the top of the show. Um, so you, when this sh- when this pod ends, you should absolutely go back and rewind and listen to the beginning. But to the TLDR, too long didn't read version is the the Eagles had four turnovers and the Jets had zero. yeah. That's really what it is, but yeah, we, we talk about it in much greater detail uh, at the top of the show, so go and check that out. Patrick Bernard's
0: uh, someone who I've seen multiple times before, though. He's a good good follower. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Glad you're here. Different recording time for us today. World Series conflicts. So or not World Series, but Championship Series conflict, so we bumped this one up. So. Get ahead of yourself, Shane. Yeah, yeah. All right, and that brings us to Monday Night Football, which obviously we're not going to cover because we are recording this in advance of Monday Night Football uh
1: Cowboys minus one and a half
0: but yeah Mark give me your give me your prediction Dallas at Los Angeles Chargers potential revenge game here Kellen Moore revenge game you say you're on the Cowboys what was the spread
1: minus one and a half it's my best bet of the week it's a nine unit play for me anyone who knows uh, my unit counts it's a really really big bet for me um I think Dallas is basically gonna play a home game tonight I know that it's in LA there's gonna be 80,000 Cowboys fans there um, so the home field factor plays not into this game for me. Uh, but the Mike McCarthy with the Cowboys is nine and one against the spread after a loss. Um, so it seems like the Cowboys are a team that they're never as bad as the last time you saw them when they lost. Um, they bounce back really well. Feels like such an obvious bounce back spot here. Um, I know that they looked horrible last week. I predicted it. The Niners were one of my best bets, but turning around Kyle Shanahan or, I messed that up. Brandon Staley is not Kyle Shanahan and the Chargers are not the 49ers. So I think that this is going to be a 30 to 20 game. Um, That would be my my score prediction. I think Dallas takes care of business. I do also have Jake Ferguson anytime touchdown um, for one unit at plus two. I think plus 230. He actually is second only to Devontae Adams. Uh, Even after week six, after the rest of the team's played, he is second to Devontae Adams in red zone targets at 10. It's only led to one touchdown. I think there's some positive regression to that that stat if he continues to get targeted that way in the red zone. So I think Jake Ferguson, anytime touchdown, is something I'm going to be monitoring over the coming weeks.
0: You know what I just thought of? Positive regression. Like, we literally have a word for that. Progression progression but yeah we never know, use it. in sports it's always positive regression and I just thought of that and it might start to annoy me now but progression just doesn't carry the same idea but well I think it's I think it's more so just about the fact that
1: the main use of that word is regressing to the mean yeah so whether you're overperforming the mean or underperforming the mean you can regress to it I I, I, I think that there's I forget what podcast I listened to but they had like a funny debate about this one year literally that topic um but yeah it's it's definitely something that's going to be i'll I'll monitor uh with jake ferguson there also jerry jones when did you hear the jerry jones quote about the tight end this week no they asked him do you think cd lamb needs to get the ball more you pay him all this money yada 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 uh whatever they said about cd lamb and he said i like to see the ball go to the tight end
0: okay i may or may not have the words jerry jones muted on twitter so (laughs) <laughs> I don't see a lot of what he says, but, I like that. but
1: it is quite funny that Jerry
0: Jones is like, I liked
1: when we had that Jason Witten guy, that Jason Witten guy was dependable, reliable. Let's go find another Jason Witten.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's throw it to our final thoughts here. Um, before I get to the team, I'm going to cancel. I just, Mark, I got to tell you a sad betting story from this weekend. Oh, no. So, you know, sad. with the jets missing their top three cornerbacks, I put, I placed a 10 unit wager on the Eagles minus six and a half. And it's a testament to how good the rest of my weekend was. I was pitching gas this weekend, but I still ended up like less than a half a unit, but man, like talk about a 20 unit swing. I could have been up like 20 units for the week gambling. If the Eagles would have covered, I would have been up like 10 units if I just had left that line alone, but I was so confident uh, and, Icarus flew too close to the sun and I crashed and burned, but I still ended positive. It's just unfortunate that it wasn't better.
1: Yeah, my, my big loss yesterday was also... Eagles minus six and a half. Uh, We finished, I think, like minus one unit or actually plus 0.3 units. So it wasn't a terrible day. But uh, yeah, Eagles minus minus six and a half was a killer for me as well. But my final thoughts are my leans for this week. That's what I've been doing. It's a little harder on Monday. I I had to get this. (laughs) I had to do this right before the show. Um, But Thursday night football, Jags pick them at the Saints. I kind of love that. I think the Jags win that game for sure. Bills minus eight and a half at the Patriots. I just said I'm uninterested in betting Patriots games, but the Bills owned the Patriots when they were competent. So I I think the Bills are going to lay a beat down there, especially coming off a weird game against the Giants. Bucks minus two and a half against the Falcons. Shane, Falcons are in your gambling graveyard. You might end up joining me on that
0: one. Yeah, I might.
1: Ravens minus two and a half against the Lions. I liked this initially until I thought about it. The Ravens are coming back from London. A little worried about that
0: one. Yeah, I I wouldn't touch that one. Personally.
1: Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm deleting that one right now. Live on the pod. You guys just heard me talk myself out of the Ravens. Uh at four or five, I like the Steelers plus three and a half at the Rams. I bet against the Rams every week. I bet on the Steelers every week. Match made in heaven there. Packers minus one and a half at the Broncos. I don't love that one, but I think that line's too low.
0: Feels like that should be at least at a field goal.
1: Um so if it stays under a field goal, I will end up on Green Bay. Um and then Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown. I don't even know what the line is, but and, and
0: Adam Thielen over whatever.
1: I'll add it. I'm adding it to my card. I need more bets on Sunday. I hate this week's card.
0: And what my favorite bet might be the Jags, which is on Thursday night. So I hate hate Green Bay minus one and a half at Denver because I said, I said Green Bay was in my gambling graveyard, but I'm with you. That seems way too low. I'm in the same boat. What game was it?
1: The Raiders game that they lost. I bet on them in the Raiders game. And Oh my God, that was so dreadful. I can't believe I'm going to do it again. I'm absolutely going to do it. Again.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing: if I if I promise you, and maybe I'll take one for the team for Atlanta fans. If I bet Tampa Bay minus two and a half, they're going to bench Desmond Ritter in the first quarter, and Taylor Heineke is going to throw <laughs> four touchdowns. I promise you. It feels like a bounce back spot for Tampa. That was a rough game for them yeah. this week. All right. Well, for my final thought, I'll cancel a team as I normally do. So far, uh, we have canceled the Chargers, who won the next week the bears who won the next week, the Falcons <laughs> who Desmond Ritter had the best game of his career and they won. And then I canceled the giants who almost, but did not beat the bills. So thank you giants for breaking the streak uh, of me canceling teams who win. Uh, sorry, Mark, but I'm canceling the new England Patriots. So you might want to rethink, rethink your bills minus eight line. Cause the Patriots <laughs> are probably going to go win now, but canceling the Patriots we established on the show. They're the most unwatchable team in football. Why are they still on my card for a Sunday? Patriots are canceled.
1: It's fair. If I'm canceling someone, it's John Harbaugh. I'm I'm canceling John Harbaugh. He won the game. I don't care.
0: Figure it out. That's what I should stop taking. I should have canceled John Harbaugh and saved the Patriots for next week because it'll be fine to cancel them any week. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us for episode 127 of Chalk Talk. At a little bit of an abnormal time. Those of you that missed it, I did not do a good job of getting an announcement out earlier. But I hope you're finding this on podcasting platforms this is always live on my youtube at shane half nfl if you want to see our ugly mugs and see our facial expressions and things you can come do that you can also stream it wherever you get your podcast so uh, if you enjoy what you heard on the show smash that subscribe button turn on notifications if you're watching on youtube and you wouldn't mind giving us reviews on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get podcasts that helps us get it out there to more people Uh, you can follow us on twitter i'm at shane half nfl He is at Mark Henry Jr. And we will catch you guys next time.